welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm your host, Elena Stoddard, and I wanted to start this episode off, as always, by thanking you for being here. I hope that you're having a good day when you're listening to this, and if your day is not going too great, well, I hope that it improves and or whatever is making your day bad knocks it off, you know? But for this week's episode, I am super, super excited to be recording this episode because this is one that I have wanted to do for a while, and I am talking about the five love languages. Now, you might be sitting there, driving, walking, whatever you're doing while you're listening to this podcast, and thinking to yourself, well, what the fork is a love language, Elena? Or maybe you're like, oh my gosh, cool, love language. Like, I know this topic. I know what she's going to talk about. Well, if you don't know what the love languages are, so some little history. So in 1992, a man named Gary Chapman wrote a book about love languages. And he was a counselor who worked with couples. And over his time working with random couples in counseling, he realized that there were certain patterns in couples that weren't happy. And he developed the love the love language theory, and that's where this is coming from. And so this theory consists of five different love languages. And when, I guess that from my understanding, Gary Chapman, the man who like pioneered this theory, I think he was definitely working in romantic terms, but all that I know about love languages, I think that it applies not only to your romantic life, but your personal life as well. I mean, working with like your friends and your family, etc. And also, I am not no certified counselor. Like, I don't actually know shit about shit. So once again, like little disclaimer, these are all my opinions and just my thoughts on something that I think is interesting. And I hope that you find it interesting as well. To start, I want to break down each of the five love languages. So the love languages are words of affirmation, physical touch, receiving gifts, quality time, and acts of service. And as I describe how to communicate and actions one can take for these five love languages, I want you to sit there and think in your head, which of these sound like you? Which of the following is your love language? And I also believe that how you give love versus how you receive love can be slightly different. I mean, most of the time, I think they'll be the same. But I find a little bit of variation with myself, and maybe you do too. Or maybe you have some variation between friendships and then romantic partners. Alrighty, so diving into the first love language, which is words of affirmation. So some examples of how you would communicate love to someone else or receive words of affirmation as your love language would be you encourage, affirm, appreciate, and listen actively. And this is when you either tell someone or someone tells you like verbatim, hey, I really like you, or I really appreciate this, or when you do this, it makes me feel this way. 
And some cool actions that you could take for this is you could send an ex like an unexpected note, card, text, or just tell your partner or your friend, whoever it may be, these things. And I think it's something about hearing the actual words leave whoever it is his mouth or you're sell it, saying it to someone is that is what the love language is, is those actual words, you know? Hence the name, words of affirmation. The second love language on the list is physical touch. And this is physical touch not in a PG-18 R-rated way. Like this is physical touch in like your pure, innocent, sweet, sunshine, love type way. And basically this is, or how you would communicate this or have it communicated to you would be a nonverbal use of body language and touch to show love. So for example, this could be hugs, kisses, cuddling, maybe high fives, maybe like kind of rubbing up against someone's shoulder, like giving them like back rubs, that type of thing. The third love language is receiving gifts. And out of all the five love languages, sometimes I feel like receiving gifts gets a bad rep. Because if you say that, oh yeah, one of my love languages is receiving gifts, it might make you look or come off as materialistic or shallow. But I think that receiving gifts it can actually be something very thoughtful and things that are not of high monetary value. So for instance, receiving gifts when you communicate or have it communicated to you could be thoughtfulness and making your partner or I guess friend when I'm talking about this as well a priority in the sense of you give thoughtful gifts and gestures to express gratitude. And I like to think of this as maybe you are walking down the street and you're on your way to your friend's house and you see this really cool rock on the ground. And you're like, wow, that's a pretty sick rock. I think it looks pretty goofy and fun. I'm going to pick it up and give it to my best friend, who you are on their house, on your way to their house too. Yeah, I hope that made sense. Like you are walking to their house and you see the rock and you pick it up and you're like, this is so cool. And then when you get to your friend's house, you're like, what if before I gave this rock to my best friend, what if I put a face on it? Because I think that would be silly and it would make them laugh and it would make them happy. And so you take a little sharpie, you draw a smiley face on the rock, and then you give it to your best friend. I think that this silly little rock example is a great way to demonstrate gift giving in a non-shallow way. You know what I mean? And moving on, the next love language is quality time. So quality time, how you would communicate it or be communicated, is uninterrupted and focused conversations. And basically this is when you create special moments and you do small things with your partner or your friend, whoever it is, but you are giving each other your full undivided attention. You are not going on your phone. You are not looking out the window, dazing into space, zoning out. You two are fully there and present with each other. And now the last love language that is part of this theory is acts of service. And so this is when you let your partner or your friend know that you are wanting to help them with something they need to help lighten their load. And this can be... This could show up in many different ways, but it could be like, oh, I don't know, you're going grocery shopping today? Let me come with you. Let me come with you and let me carry your heavy bags. I can even put some of the food away for you. 
that type of thing. Or maybe you're not feeling well, and so your friend or your partner is like, hey, I was out today at the deli, and I know that you've been in bed all day sick, so I brought you back some soup. And all of these love languages, now that I'm talking about them, they all overlap with each other. I mean, you could argue that, you know, you going out to buy soup for your sick partner is a form of gift giving, if technically that soup could kind of be like a gift. But that's what I like about them. They're all different, yet they all overlap in a way where it's all just doing something nice and thoughtful for another person and hopefully you receiving something like that. And I'm going to be honest, I have not read Gary Chapman's book on the five love languages. All my thoughts and opinions about the love languages are formulated from other, like, shorter articles that I've read online and just my own experiences with things. But I found something interesting in my own life and some of my friends' that a lot of the times our love languages are kind of influenced how are influenced by how our parents or our caregivers raised us and or our first encounters with romantic relationships. So let me elaborate on this. For example, one of my love languages, the way that I receive love, would be acts of service. And in my head, I was kind of thinking to myself, I was reflecting, I was like, Elena, why, why is acts of service important to you? Where do you think this comes from? Because I believe everything we feel now is some weird result of our childhood. Because, like, yeah. (laughs) And it clicked for me one day when I was in college because, obviously, my parents are not here with me. And growing up, I have, I have, (laughs) I don't want to say had, I have a very amazing father who is someone who he doesn't always, like, he's not one of those people to straight up say, like, oh, I love you, like, you know, most fathers, I feel like, aren't like that, I don't know, but he is the type of person where if you need something, he will do it for you. For example, growing up, I have one sister, one younger sister, so my dad had two little daughters, two cute, adorable daughters, and we both, my sister and I both had really long hair as girls, and so my dad would always carry around hair ties for us. So anytime little six, seven-year-old me needed a hair tie, I'd just go up, tug on my dad, and be like, Dad, like, can I have a hair tie? And he would whip out, like, not only one hair tie, He'd whip out like a handful of hair ties and they wouldn't just be the boring black cheap time that like snap and pull on your hair when you take them out. He would pull out like an array. There were different colors, like different types of hair ties, like some of them, you know, the fluffier like Y2K hair ties and then your classic black um, hair tie and then telephone line ones. Like he had it all in his pocket and, you know, I got to pick which one I want. I put my hair up and continue playing or whatever it was seven-year-old Elena was doing. And that type of behavior didn't stop there as when I got older, if I ever forgot my lunch at school, my dad would bring it. Or one time if I'm hanging out at a friend's house and I'm at the age where I'm in middle school where I can't really drive and I'm still a kid, but I'm like trying to do more things on my own. You know that awkward phase? But while I was in that phase, if I ever decided that I wanted to stay over at a friend's house, my dad, he would normally volunteer and be like, well, you know, like, if you want to stay over at your friend's house, like, that's great. Like, let me know and I can drop off pajamas and a pillow or a blanket, whatever it is you need. Or if I was sick, 
then if I asked for a certain soup, maybe like there's a restaurant near me at home that has the best chicken dumpling soup and it's one of my comfort foods. If I asked, I was like, hey, like I'm kind of feeling crappy. Would you mind getting me some soup? Normally he would go and get it. And I think that's where my appreciation for acts of service comes from. And I am thankful for that. And I think that it's something cool to know about yourself. So right now, think to yourself, do you have any experiences like the one that I told you about my dad and acts of service? What are your love languages? Where do you think they come from? And so with that, I will leave you. And I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. And a little heads up, I think I am going to do another episode on love languages. But this time, I'm going to have some of my friends or guests come on and actually talk more through. Because I think it's a little boring if you just hear about my experiences. I think it's great to get some variety and other thoughts in there. So yeah, have a wonderful rest of your day. And I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Bye.